You are now listening to Soundspace, the podcast where we interview experts and professionals in the space of sound. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Soundspace. I am once again joined by my fantastic audio engineer and co-host, Anthony Catchy. How are you? I'm doing very good, man. Thank you. How are you? Doing good. I'm very excited about today's guest. If you're a fan of audio engineering, guitar playing, bands, mixing, subtitles, teaching, sound design, studio life, we have a perfect guest for you. Let me please introduce to you Juan Gomez, a Uruguayan audio engineer and guitar player currently residing in Montreal, Quebec. He began his career career in music by forming his band Jimbo and teaching guitar at School of Rock in Ottawa, Ontario. In 2019, he acquired a music industry arts diploma from Algonquin College where he was a standout student from the beginning. Later that year, he became a studio assistant at Planet Studios and quickly became a client favorite because of his hard work, management, and audio skill set. He now runs multiple studio sessions at that same facility as a freelance recording and mixing engineer. Artists and studio projects he has worked on include Nikki Yavnaski, Corneille, Star Academy, and the TV series on studio. He also teaches production techniques and sound design courses at Recording Arts Canada. Lastly, he works as a sound technician at Silvo Technologies where he engineers subtitle recordings. Let's please give a warm welcome to Juan Gomez. How's it going, Juan? I'm doing good, man. Thanks. Thanks for that crazy uh, intro. I mean, it makes it sound like I do more than I actually do. No, he's just spitting yeah, That's all you, man. It's, uh, it's you. That's, that's all fact. <laughs> that's all research, man. Yeah. That's all That's all you, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I have done all that shit. Never really saw it away but yeah sounds like a long list of stuff i've done yeah it's like it's the kind of thing where you look back on it and you're like yeah that's that those all happened and yeah. when you say them all together in a sentence yeah it, it, it is a lot which i congratulations to you thanks dude yeah i mean when you originally invited me to do this uh podcast i was like yeah sure i'll do it it'll be fun like it'll be a cool time hanging out with you and uh but i was like you know i mean you had jacob on a while back and uh i was like i feel like i haven't done as much uh accomplished as much as jacob has so i don't know what the hell i'm gonna talk about but uh i guess i have stories to go around you you have plenty to talk about trust me we'll, we'll probably be hitting some jacob uh, times here uh in terms uh, of how long we go for recording so let's classic. start with uh, the beginning with you i want to know when audio and music became of interest for you oh man um i mean i originally got into music before i got into audio for sure mm -hmm. i started playing guitar when i was like um i don't know 14 15 ish i'd always really liked music like ever since i was a kid i would just listen to music all the time with my dad and i would listen to cds on my own and i always kind of wanted to do music and never really got into it until uh, i got my first guitar when i was 14 i remember mm -hmm. i uh i had gotten a bunch of money for my birthday and uh i found this guitar on kijiji like an electric guitar because nice. i had a classical guitar but i never really i never really wanted to pick it up originally i was like you know I, I listened to all those like shredder guys and iron maiden and i wanted to play like them right so i like i had this classical mm -hmm. guitar and, and uh i was like ah it's kind of lame i don't fucking want to learn that so um <laughs> i found this electric guitar i asked my parents to buy it for me they were like no it's too expensive so i found this electric guitar on kijiji for like a hundred bucks and i just like begged my parents to drive me over to ottawa oh, man we went to this pawn shop in ottawa just bought this guitar and i didn't know anything about guitars then later on i found out that like the strings were ass the the setup was terrible like the guitar was good itself but like everything was just fucked. oh man <laughs> jesus but, uh, <laughs> yeah i learned how to play on that piece of shit i mean I if you learn how to play on a, on a sh piece of shit guitar you know how to play on every guitar <laughs> Yeah, 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 pretty much. And I guess if 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 I can if I can start this uh, whole thing with like giving a tip to parents who want to buy 
guitars to their kids don't buy them a classical guitar if they're into metal because, uh, <laughs> they're gonna hate it they're not that's gonna discourage them like real quick it's just but, not um, the same yeah after that i mean i started learning i would like lock myself in my bedroom for like eight hours just play guitar non-stop instead of doing my homework and then um i started a band like a year after that i started my band jimbo and right. we became like i became really close friends with the owner of the studio where we record we where mm-hmm. we would uh rehearse we would rehearse at shine studios i became friends with the owner kelly okay and he was like look if you guys want to record your songs go ahead use the studio but uh i'm not going to give you uh an engineer you're gonna have to figure it out yourself that's still that's awesome so i was like bet let's do that yeah i was like uh this was when i was like 17 i guess when he told me that right and uh, i was like sure let's do it and then i looked up youtube videos on how to record drums and most of my early recordings just sounded like absolute garbage but you know i figured it out he had a couple nice preamps you know nothing too crazy but a lot of like you know good vintage gear that sounded pretty good and he had a decent mic locker so i would just like you know stick those things up i remember he had a u87 that i used on vocals right. and that's when i really started like getting into audio was when i was like 17 and i started recording my band i was like okay this is uh this is pretty cool man i really like this oh yeah and- yeah yeah, yeah, and um, on a on a like on a personal note, you know, when you actively started following a career in audio, did you feel discouraged by people around you, or or did you feel like you had a strong support system by your friends and your family and and so forth? Um, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because when I started doing audio, um, I didn't really actively start following a career in audio at first, like especially when I was in high school, right? Like this is all this this what I'm saying is when I was like between the ages of like. 15 to 17 when I really started playing in a band and we started playing live and I started recording then I started mixing and stuff I was still in high school and you know back then I wanted to be like a biochemist because I really liked really so I was like I never really considered a yeah yeah, yeah, I loved science nice Um, I still kind of do but not as much as I when I was in in high school Um, but I was yeah I was really good in math I was really good in my science classes and all that and um, I was like yeah I like playing guitar I like playing in a band it's fun Uh, but I never really considered doing that as a career like it was never really an option really and um and then when i finished high school i went to college i was kind of like discouraged with college like it really wasn't uh something that i enjoyed so then i kind of like i dropped out of school i worked for a year or two and i all this whole time i was still doing music my mom told me like you know why don't you why don't you do music as a career why don't you like study really? something like that yeah my mom was actually the one who because she was like she she saw that like w- the one thing that was like it was it was like a difficult time in my life when i dropped wow. out of college like i was always okay. good in high school and then suddenly i i dropped out of school in college i was really discouraged because i was like well i'm gonna be wow. a bum for the rest of my life and my mom's no realized she was the one who realized when it, back then that that like the only thing that kept me happy and the only thing that i was doing constantly was like playing with my band playing guitar yeah you know, recording mixing all that shit. She's like, why don't you like do something? Like she, she actually found the MIA program. Wow. In, uh, That's yeah. In Algonquin college like, magazine. Yeah. Usually it's, it's when, when it's supporting it, it's like, Oh, I support you. You want to do that? You know, I, I, I support you to do that, but to go out of the way and just, um, telling you, you should do this. And, um, finding the program mm-hmm. for you that's that's really amazing oh yeah no my, like big ups to my mom for for that 100%, shout out to mom like, she was the one who really encouraged me yeah shout out to my mom man if you're <laughs> listening to great. this which she probably won't um shout out <laughs> who knows but um yeah who knows maybe but anyways yeah so like that's kind of when i really considered music as a career and then even then i was still like okay well i'll be a musician you know i'll get better at guitar keep playing live gigs blah, blah, blah. and uh i signed up for mia because i liked the recording aspect i was like well you know broaden my horizons you know if i can play music i can record i can do live sound i could like be an engineer i'm like i'll do that so you know no one no one around me ever really discouraged me but i it was always kind of like i never really talked about it 
too much either with anybody like other than my mom really okay and then my current girlfriend um, right, right right i never really talked about like my career goals and stuff like that because i was always afraid of getting discouraged okay kind of so i was always right. kind of afraid that like if i told someone like yeah i want to do music as a career they'd be like no so i was like uh i'd rather not tell so i kind of like avoided that discouragement by avoiding talking about it i guess but my mom was always like super on board with anything i did and like she would just always like make sure i was first of all doing something that i enjoyed and second like all right you know like not fucking sure. dying of hunger and fear of failure is mm -hmm. definitely a very okay. real thing for mm -hmm. all artists i'd say Mm -hmm. oh yeah big time like to this day like sometimes i'll still like i'm way better than i used to be when i was younger but to this day i'll sometimes be scared to like confront yeah. something or, or like try something out because i'm afraid no, of failing you shouldn't you heard your right. introduction yeah <laughs> well like i said it's it's definitely easier now now that I, I have some stuff under my belt and i've done some stuff like it's easier to take on new challenges and like my new job at sovo like i've never done i mean it, it's a lot of stuff like that that is sound engineering that i'm gonna do but uh i've never really done uh anything with subtitles any kind of yeah. stuff like that so it's a new challenge that i'm gonna take on and it's gonna be fun but for sure absolutely yeah. i want to bring it back to uh mia because i feel like that is like the centerpiece of you jumping mm -hmm. into montreal and finding all these other positions mm -hmm. it's definitely some a place where you i learned a lot and i'm sure you learned a lot so we know why you applied to to the program but what was your experience mm -hmm. like like from a semester to semester basis what did you learn because i think weren't you like the year where the pandemic happened during or no, during no, no, your, no, no, no. or you were the year right I, before yeah thankfully i graduated right before the pandemic yeah yeah tell us about the experience on a pre in a fantastic pre-pandemic world <laughs> oh man good old days before the fucking virus yeah um i mean look it was uh it was amazing i'm really glad i did that it's too bad that it costs uh fucking 15 grand or whatever it is but yeah dude it was uh it was a great experience i it's an investment i learned so much yeah it was definitely an investment um i feel like it was definitely my my i mean my if if shine and jimbo and recording my band by myself like if that was my starting point um mia was definitely my kickoff point where i like really like mm. hone my skills and kind of well not hone my skills that was more when i was working at planet but that was really when i like learned the ropes and kind of felt what it was kind of like to be in a studio environment because one thing about that's cool about mia with uh with the studio in there and with the teachers that have years of experience right it's like right yeah you're in a controlled environment like it's not the same as being in a studio which i learned later on but you're in a controlled environment you're in a classroom but you get the sense of what it's like to be in a studio you know i had amazing teachers guy like pete gilroy who uh has like years and years and years of studio under his belt as an engineer as a producer as a live sound guy like he's done shit to of stuff so now pete, pete is, is a you know beast. a lot of times yeah yeah dude pete is a fucking monster shout out pete yeah but like i learned so much from him because he would go on these weird tangents and just tell us like stories like through these stories you'd learn stuff about like studio etiquette and stuff that wasn't necessarily on the curriculum but that we'd learn anyways right and then you right. know learning how the ssl works learning the signal flow learning how to patch a mic learning the differences between mics like i already knew like before mia i already knew what like a dynamic was a condenser yeah. a ribbon mic like i knew the difference between mics but i didn't really know much about it so like getting you know like i said earlier i was always a fan of like science and getting to know like the science behind the audio the science behind how you know the the ribbon on a ribbon mic works how a condenser microphone works why a condenser needs 48 volts like all that kind of shit learning really like the ins and outs of that kind For of sure. stuff and then obviously all the other classes like you know music business learning about the music business how it works like i didn't know what a fucking grant was before 
right. you know, MIA, like what factor was, what uh, all the different stuff that you don't even realize exists in yeah, the music Yeah, for sure. Industry. And it's super essential. Right, so like, like, yeah, it's one thing like working in audio or making music, but once you make it, once you do it, you you need to find a way to to get income from it, get something, get rewarded. Yeah, exactly. And it, you, you need to find a way to like, you know, to, to make it your livelihood if you if that's yeah, exactly, what you want. Because right? like, no, exactly. It's because it's like, and there's so many different ways of doing it. You just got to get creative and you have to, you know, not be scared of going out there and uh, getting that bread, yeah. bro. And knowing your worth. Yeah, absolutely. Getting get that, that bread, bread is, is the best way to say it, I think. Yeah. Uh, I really wanted to know... Um, I did the program back in 2014, 2015. I feel like it was still in its infancy. Mm. I was the first year with the with the SSL council in the N108. Um, oh, yeah. What did the, this is kind of an, on a sidebar. What did working with like really professional like outboard gear in a console like that, uh, how did it prepare you? Like specifically the gear, like having access to that on a weekly basis and like the recording projects and everything and being able to mm. use it. Like how did that set you up for where you're at right now? That's a great question. I mean, if there's one thing I... Uh, I can kind of criticize MIA for, unfortunately, is that like a lot of the outboard gear, we didn't really touch that much. So it's not necessarily that we didn't touch, but like, you know, we learned like the basics of compression and then we learned how an LA2 <laughs> works and how an 1176 works, right? But like, we never really did much about like uh, what a vocal sounds through an LA2A versus what a vocal sounds through an 1176 right. versus what a vocal right. sounds through a 1073 versus yeah. whatever, right? Thankfully, because we had that gear and I was just naturally curious and I know I knew a bunch of it was just like classic gear, I would uh, just in my own time, like my own studio time, I would patch through right. it and Familiarize use the APIs and then use the 1073 yeah exactly and like compare those with like the compressors on the ssl itself or the mic pre's on the ssl itself like that kind of shit and i just go through all that and just kind of get used to it so i feel like what that really helped with honestly i think what i what i really got from mia that helped me work in a professional studio was the signal flow like above yeah. all else yeah. just how, how to get from the mic to pro tools and everything in between mm -hmm. and how a patch bay works and how the ssl channel strip works right like one channel strip is like you have the mic pre and the difference between mic and line and obviously the ssl that we had at planet was a bit different so i had to learn i had to relearn the signal flow specifically for that console but once you have the basics of signal flow and you know how it works like how on an ssl patch bay the inputs are at the bottom the outputs are at the top so like just knowing that kind of shit definitely gave me a bit of an edge once i started working in a commercial studio because i already knew that kind of shit so i didn't have to relearn everything right. from scratch mm -hmm. i just had to take the basics of what i already knew and apply it to the signal flow of planet studio yeah. specifically so that's like the biggest advantage i got from going to mia was just already knowing that kind of stuff already having spent a whole year in a controlled environment without all the stress of running a session of you know being a studio assistant learning those basics and then applying it to the real life Right. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So um, I, I was curious, like we talked about a little bit about gear, you know, we, you talked about microphones and pre's that you used. Um, what DAWs did you start working out, working on when you started? And what, which ones are you working on, working in now? Damn. Um, well, back in the day when I would work at Shine, I was working on Cubase. Oh, Cubase 6, no I think it was back in those days. Yeah, Cubase, Cubase. is amazing, man. And I, yeah, I still, yeah, yeah, own, I still buy it. Like every two years, like I, I buy like the new version or something if it has something cool. And uh, dude, Cubase is amazing. Like if it weren't for the fact that most studios use Pro Tools, I'd still be on Cubase. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because Cubase just has so much functionality. Like you, ha you can do ev pretty much everything you can do in Pro Tools. You can do in cubase and then some so like the midi functionalities are easier uh virtual instruments so it's like it's like it's kind of like a cool middle ground between like a recording DAW and a composing DAW. A lot of people, it's very popular in Europe for like 
um, scoring and stuff like that, right? So when I started doing audio, I was like exclusively in Cubase. It's the DAW that I learned. It's the DAW that I got used to. Okay. Um, it's the DAW that I mixed the first EP on because we had a, a copy at the studio and then I bought myself a copy of Cubase Elements, which is like the cheapest one. And in retrospect, kind of sucks because you don't have a lot of functionality. And then... Um, I mean, because of MIA, obviously, I um, I started... Wow, no, actually, the first DAW I ever used was actually Ableton Live. Okay. Because before I actually even started doing audio, I um, there was a time where I would do guitar covers on YouTube. Nice. And um, Oh, the good old days. Those guitar covers I would record would literally like through my my amp had like a, a USB thing to plug into the computer. I knew nothing about audio back then. Okay. And my amp had come with a free copy of Ableton, right? So I would just plug the USB into Ableton and then download like download instrumentals of songs off of YouTube, like YouTube <laughs> to MP3, whatever. And then just do a guitar cover oh, man. on um on Ableton. Like it was it was totally ass. So I, that's like the only experience I ever had with Ableton because I I would never pretend like I actually know how to use it. But yeah, so Cubase was my main DAW for like the first two years, I guess. Then when I got into MIA, I mean, it was Pro Tools only because it's the industry standard. So um, I started using Pro Tools. I learned the ins and outs of Pro Tools. I got used to it. At first, I didn't really like it. But I mean, once you get used to it, Pro Tools is is pretty cool. And then, of course, when I I started working at Planet, what we used was Pro Tools, once again, because it's the industry standard. So I've just kind of been with Pro Tools ever since. Like I said, I still buy Cubase every year. So you still work in it from time to time or it's... Sometimes, yeah, because it has cool. Like, for example, I don't, I don't have Vocaline because Vocaline is super expensive. Okay, but Cubase has a built-in Vocaline function. Like, you can just right. built into the DAW. You can just align two tracks. So, whenever I need to align, say, acoustic guitars or vocals, whatever, I'll just export them from Pro Tools, import them to Cubase, and do that. Or if I'm composing, a lot of times I'll use, uh, I'll use Cubase just because I feel like the MIDI functionality in Pro Tools is absolute garbage. Right. Yeah. No, I hate the MIDI um, in Pro Tools. That's like the biggest. Critique yeah, MIDI in Pro Tools Pro is Tools. the worst. I, I, oh, yeah, I do my re- MIDI in Reaper just because. Like, I just got used to the Median Reaper, but uh, okay. Pro Tools, it, it, great for post, great for mis- mixing, great for tracking, but like in the MIDI, I j- it just feels clunky and slow mm-hmm. and, and I'm clicking and on old. stuff and it's not doing what I need it to do when I when I need it, you know? It's just, oh, it's yeah. never reaching like the goals. I've tried 100%. it. Whenever I do. Yeah, I've tried it, but for me, it's it's Logic. I do Median Logic. It's Yeah, Logic it's is great for MIDI. my favorite. Yeah, whenever I um, whenever I, I end up doing anything MIDI in Pro Tools, I feel like I'm back in like 2004 with how old the fucking UI is. Like it's just terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean it's um, it's my main DAW now. Like every time I, every mix I do is in Pro Tools. Every time I run a session, it's in Pro Tools. Um, recently, I've gotten a lot into Reason because okay, of nice. uh, because I'm teaching sound design at RAC. Uh, yeah. we use a lot of Reason. I always kind of knew how to use it because I've dabbled with it in the past and Kevin and MIA kind of taught us how it works and stuff like that but now I've really gotten into it and dude the the user interface absolutely sucks it's terrible but the instruments that you can get in Reason are just insane I know especially yeah, considering yeah. that they're like stock instruments they're like dude right. I've never seen a DAW with as good stock instruments than Reason Reason has great 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 stock instruments and I love how you can like just plug anything together it's it's very Max MSP like to me Um, Max MSP is something we use a lot in, in electroacoustic studies it's like a, an audio music coding okay. language and with its own software and you like use objects to create virtual instruments and we had a whole class on it yeah but um i really love how you can like just stack things and plug things together and reason and then you just get these weird like sawtooths or like just ambient pads and you can just go all over the place with it so easily mm-hmm. it feels limitless well yeah i i, I never i never heard about uh maximus p but yeah i mean reason
reason is just and and the the analog aspect of reason is also pretty cool how you like flip it over and you have the rack and you drag the cables over like as yeah. uh as an audio engineer, like I, I kind of appreciate that aspect of it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you're like, ah, yeah. oh, this is my patch bay. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, here's my patch bay. I just patch everything together. <laughs> exactly. I think the patch bay talk is a, is a great transition. I, I want to get into uh, uh, everything that's Planet Studios um, here. Um, I oh, really want to like do a whole the, the whole storyline with you and, and like one question and like let's really take our time like step by step. Um, I want to know how did you hear about it? You know, how did you even like get your foot in the door? And then talk to us about your transition because you 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 had a very fast transition in like a very short amount of time. You started out as an intern and then you became an assistant very quick and then you became the house engineer and now you're a freelance engineer you know you know what i mean like you mm-hmm. climbed the staircase extremely quickly and very effortlessly it feels like to me i always saw you just i would walk in because because juan and i were assistants at the same time so i was there for that period of time in that studio but after i left like you just i felt like you just printed up the stairs you just did uh, so good so fast so let's talk about really the how you got your foot in the door and then like the different phases from uh, from intern to assistant to house engineer to freelance engineer i really want to hear the the storyline of this yeah um i mean yeah in in one year because it was pretty much a year between the time that i got into planet and the time that i ended up leaving yeah. um i started like beginning of september 2020 and i left of uh, around august 20 of this year so like m- mid to late august so yeah pretty much almost a year i mean it was it was it was cool it was like it was uh uh, I, I can't attribute my jumping the the the, the stairs like that um, just to myself because I also got really really lucky. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, if I hadn't had the skills that I do have, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it as quickly as I did and kind of adapt. Um, so I will give myself that credit there. But yeah, um, you deserve it. Yeah, no, I got really lucky. So in general, just get how I got to Planet. I mean, I had never really heard of the studio beforehand. I mean, I guess kind of because when I decided I was going to move to Montreal from Gatineau, I looked up like. Montreal Recording Studios, and I think like I think Planet. If you look up Montreal Recording Studio, Planet. It's probably, probably one of the first, the first ones that pop up. It's the first yeah, one. Like it's you, the first one. Is it actually the first? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, like I remember, uh, I remember looking up recording studios because I remember when. Uh, so basically, how I got the job was Jacob posted in the MIA alumni group, like, "Hey, Planet Studios is looking for assistance." I was like, "Oh, I, I kind of Planet Studios kind of rings a bell," and so I had Googled it. Like when I Googled recording studios, I'd definitely seen Planet Studios before him. So. I looked up Planet Studios. I saw the pictures, you know, like everyone does with all the gear, the SSL, the all that kind of shit. Right. And so I looked that up and um, basically I texted Jacob. I'm like, hey, this was like in like May of last year, right before the studio reopened the first time. I was like, hey, I'm moving to Montreal in September. Like, uh, let me know if you still need people then. But I think it was, I think you also answered that post yourself, Jayan. Eh? It was not how you got the job. That is the exact post I answered. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's how I got I texted mind. Jacob. I was like, hey man, you know, uh, I told him he's like okay hit me up when you like in september when you finally move here and uh if we still need people i'll let you know so in september i hit him up uh i went to the studio met him and then the next day i just kind of started as an intern which i mean being an intern at planet you know how it is diane like it's uh it's a lot of hard work and uh it's it's not the most glamorous job yes. ever but if you like that kind of shit it's uh it's definitely it's definitely fun especially when you first start out right like you it's you get into it's this. It's like studio boot camp is the, is, yeah, is the way to say it. Like you're just in there and you're learning and you walk out of there and you're like, how did I get through that? And you do it over and over and over and you just like grow it. You become a, I became a man. No, I'll, I'll say it like that too. personally, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, okay. Uh, and when you were, sorry, but when you were an intern, what were your tasks like? Cause you know what you, you told, you asked me, oh, you know what it's like, but what is it like? How would you describe it? Uh, you're basically everybody's bitch. <laughs> like 
you're you like i mean you're the head assistance bitch you're the other assistance bitch i mean i was your bitch you're the client's bitch you're the the tenant's bitch you're just everybody's bitch you just kind of have to do whatever uh, whatever they say and like i mean obviously i'm exaggerating right now it's not uh, it's not like you're everybody's bitch there but i mean you're just serving like when you're an intern you're like in the studio but you're not really doing any studio stuff you're serving coffees you're uh you know first of all you have to learn how to serve the coffees i remember one of the first thing jacob said to me was um if i can't trust you to make a coffee right i can't trust you to do anything else so basically that's what it was for most of the time <laughs> the it was just, thing. yeah and he would Jesus. critique my coffees as i made them he's like oh this one's a little bit better from yesterday <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah yeah exactly so it was all stuff like that and um you know so you mop the floor you sweep you change the garbages and then once you're done cleaning you if you're lucky you get to sit down in a session and just observe the engineer and then uh like around the beginning like depending on uh on what you know how to do like because i did mia i knew how to wrap cables i knew how to run mics i knew how to do that kind of shit so i would sit down in a session with jacob and then when jacob was done the session i'd like wrap the cables with him i'd put them away uh i'd help him set up like whenever he was miking a drum kit i'd help him set that up i'd you know run around get stuff once you learn where the stuff is as an intern like after a few days that you're there after a week or so you know once you know where the mics are you, you run around pick up mics do dishes like it's, it's it's all the like fetch stuff it's the you know going to buy water going to buy buy milk right. going to buy all this stuff so all the little like fetch stuff that you do um that the um engineer either doesn't have time or doesn't feel like doing um yeah it's kind of it's the it natural is. first step pretty much yeah it's, it's uh, in, just, in a job like this in a place yeah. like this like, yeah it's just it's 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 all the, like i said the bitch stuff right like it's it's the running right. around wrapping cables and making coffees and then at the end of the day you sweep you mop you brush the yeah. toilet and then yeah uh, you go home and, and sleep four hours if you're lucky um so that was the f natural first step when did you make the jump from an intern to a studio assistant um it was fairly quickly probably about a not even a month after I, I i got there so around october i guess so like assisting i was i started doing my own sessions i was assisting dan you know i was recalling his mixes because when you do an analog mix you have to recall it it's not like a pro tool session that you just open and everything's ready um right. So recalling his mixes, all that kind of stuff. It, I mean, a lot of the the tasks were the same as an intern than they are as an assistant and even head engineer. Like a lot of times Jacob was, a, was also cleaning, was also doing a lot of this shit. So yeah. like a lot of the tasks didn't really change at all. I just kind of got more responsibilities. I was able to yeah. run my own sessions, like vocal sessions. My first vocal session I ran was completely by accident because I remember Jayanne already had a session upstairs that he had been there since like seven in the morning. Yeah. On a, it was on a Saturday too. I got in there at like noon. Right. And uh, Jacob had a session at 1 p.m. And uh, this guy was just chilling at the coffee table. He's like, yeah, I was supposed to have a session at, at noon. And Jacob was just like, well, you do it in Red Room, which was like the extra room that we used to have. Um, the rapper room. <laughs> the rapper room, exactly. The rapper, the, the rapper room because we just always had a mic set up there for vocals. So every time oh, we had like a random rapper or whatever. It was like just two hour. track rappers in there all the yeah. time. Just two track rappers. It's just easier to, to just go in there and just because you just had to open Pro Tools and you were ready yeah. to record. It's a simple setup, I imagine. Yeah, it was the easiest setup in there. Yeah, so, you had a one knob and yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, all anyway. digital. There was no like, I mean, there was analog gear that we never really used, but it was all like Apollo based. Right. So you just open yeah. it up, open Pro Tools, 
do the headphone sends and just record so like whenever it was just like an hour or two hour rapper instead of using one of the big studios and setting up all the mics and doing all the patching and all that which would take like you know once you got good at it it only took like 10-15 minutes to set up a vocal setup but um but even then like the vocal setup in rapper room was already ready so like why waste time and just do it in there right Right. So that was my first session, and that's kind of when I 100%. jumped over to assistant, right? And uh, and then when Jayan came back, we were like both kind of assisting with uh, Jacob being the head guy. I mean, uh, we went through uh, another intern at that point too, which uh, didn't end up very very well, unfortunately. But um, you know, it was uh, it was Jacob as the head guy, and then me and Jayan as uh, assistants, and we were kind of like you know yeah. flip flopping sessions. Jayan would do one, I would do another, that kind of stuff, you know, sharing. Juan, I want to pause you because you just put your finger on something i was gonna ask and i feel like it's the perfect point to ask this question okay it's still very much intern based and everything and, I, and then we'll, we'll, we'll continue on like everything else but like you put your finger on something that it's like super important for me to hit you we mentioned an, a, an intern that like you saw coming mm-hmm. go i want you to talk about because i feel like a lot of our listeners are people who, who listen to this episode are going to be people who want to know more about what it's like being in the studio and everyone and everything in that environment so you've been at that studio for over a year now considering that you're still freelancing mm-hmm. for it uh, as someone who has seen multiple studio assistants and interns come and go mm-hmm. at planet what would you say are like the essential skills like the most important them uh, important ones uh, to be successful in a studio environment because i think like that's super important to talk about oh man so many different skills i mean there's a lot of the skills that are like specific to planet because of the way that planet runs and because of the like the the the, the fact that it's like one of the, the only big studios in montreal but i mean for sure the first thing you need to know if if you're like trying to be a, a studio assistant or a studio intern is just like you're like at the very bottom of the totem pole at all times. The person in charge of the session is always going to be the artist or the producer. 100% of the time is always, they're the, going to be the boss and you have to kind of give in to their every whim. Um, obviously there's limits, but you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of, if they want a certain mic, if they want to move the drum kit, if they want to do whatever, like you have to listen to them. So it's it's about keeping that kind of attitude being obviously respectful because like if anyone, wh- one thing that I always say, and I say this to my students too, is um, if you've ever worked a customer service job where you always have to be nice to the client, even if he's an asshole, um, where you always have to like keep a smile on your face, you have to be you have to the worst yeah exactly it's kind of like that and i mean in the studio life isn't like it's it's a little bit in terms of customer service it's actually a little bit easier than that because most people that i saw at planet like i'd say probably 99 percent of the clients that we had were mostly nice towards neutral like you don't get many karens or at least not as many as you would at like when i was working at starbucks but right Regardless, you still have to you still have to keep that um, <laughs> that that good customer service face, that customer service voice. You know, one thing that I was uh, that I was talking, I was actually talking about this with uh, with Dan last week was just like Dan being the owner of Planet Studios, just in case, um, was just that like you know if you're gonna be in that position, you just have to kind of want it. Like you really have to want yeah. it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's uh, it's a lot of hard hours, like a lot long hours, hard work, not a lot of sleep sometimes, especially if you don't live close by. Um, and for sure, mainly often. you just gotta, <laughs> yeah, often, yeah, yeah. I mean, you and you and I know the struggle. You you lived further than me too, so it was worse for you. But yeah, bro. But yeah, yeah it's uh, it's a struggle, man. And uh, you just have to be a people person. If you're not a people person, you're not gonna work out in the studio environment at all. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Like on the person on the customer service kind of thing because mm-hmm. though i never worked in a studio i 
I've DJed, I've done private events and stuff. You have to make the client happy, basically. Mm -hmm. You have to do what they they want. They're the one paying you. It's the the customer's always right kind of thing. You know, like it's a, like they're not always right, but you you kind of have to. And like I said, it's actually easier. Like the customer service in a studio environment is actually a bit easier because because it's such a niche clientele. Like in when Mm -hmm. in Starbucks or at a grocery store, you get everybody because at at a certain point, everybody needs to go to a grocery store. Everybody needs to go to somewhere, right? Um, whereas in a recording studio, you don't get everybody. It's it's really just you only get musicians, producers, and other engineers, or you know TV productions, people who want to do voiceover. So it's really like a specific clientele, people who want to record stuff. And on top of that, the music industry, just in general, is such a small world, especially in Quebec, especially in Montreal. Everybody knows everybody. So if mm-hmm. as a musician you're an asshole and you go to the studio and you act like an asshole and you act like a Karen, then you're marked. Yeah, everybody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna want to work. You're blacklisted for sure. So, from the point of view of a studio assistant, from a studio intern point of view, um, you don't get that many people like that because they know that if they act like that with you, everybody's going to find out eventually. So even though in that yeah. moment, you might have to be like, this, the customer's always right and blah, blah, blah. Um, they're most likely not going to act like that. Right. So. Right. But but Juan, I have to actually, this is interesting. I have to respectfully disagree in the sense that like I've I've seen and you've seen people like you're, you're describing what you need to do. And I agree with that. But it's not everyone that has that switch. Like we've seen people at that studio come in and not follow through on what you're, you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it it would seem very obvious, you know, it, it would seem like something you, you have to do uh, if you want to be successful, but it feels like some people don't have that switch sometimes where they'll say something in a session or they'll not be uh, correct. Uh, like they won't hit the social yep, cues right. and stuff like that. And I just feel like, I don't know, what would you, what would you say are the social cues? Like, I want to like mm-hmm. get into the specifics of that. Cause I feel like if you, if I've seen it multiple mm-hmm. times happen, it's because like maybe there's something we can say out there to help those types so of people. If, you know if, what I mean? If we're talking about like stuff that you should specifically do in a studio to like make it work out. First of all, shut the fuck up. Um, there's no, like there's no Thank nicer you. way to say it. Honestly, if you're in a session, unless someone specifically asks you a question um you stay silent you don't say anything um and i've seen this multiple times with assistants where it hasn't worked out and with assistants who eventually have learned um uh like obviously i'm not going to name names here but the only one person the only one person i will mention is my buddy james when he started um he was obviously really excited to be in a big commercial studio and he would you know talk and he's an excellent producer shout out jimmy um crazy 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 producer his 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 music is insane um but when he started he would like get a little bit too excited and he would immediately talk about his beats so one time i told him i'm like hey dude look just like you know maybe chill out calm down a bit on this and after that he did and he stayed for multiple months after um yeah, I had the same issue. I did the same yeah. thing. Jacob, like the first day I was there, I was like super excited. I was like talking about like film music I was working on because I, mm-hmm. I was still in that program. And then like the next day, Jacob pulls me aside. He's like, listen, I really appreciate the energy. But like if there's a group of rappers in there and you're acting like that, it's just going to throw off the vibe. You, you got to watch that. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I see. I see what you mean now. And like it, it started uh, falling into place. So 100%. I, I and that's understand. like the most, the, like the second most important point is like, it's good to be excited. It's good to be like when you, especially when you you just get in i mean i walked in there fucking see all these knee preamps see all like the two consoles like everything i'm like holy shit this is amazing so you're excited um but if someone tells you like someone tells you like tells you something that they're telling you so you can improve yeah right they're telling you this so you can be a better intern you have to take it and run with it 
you can't just like basically i think the most important like the conclusion to all of this is like as a studio intern you can't just do whatever the fuck you feel like you have to like follow studio etiquette and that includes like i said not speaking unless being spoken to doing what the client asks you to do you're running coffees you're you know doing what the engineer or the other assistant asks you to do like helping out all that that's really the the most important part is following studio etiquette and like i was gonna say it's funny because i was gonna say it's uh, a lot of the stuff is common sense but now that you mention it Diane, is actually not that com- that common a lot of people have a hard time no, with exactly, it. exactly exactly and i have seen it multiple that, times yeah, where it hasn't point. worked out unfortunately and you know because some people enter with uh, either a certain arrogance or um a certain arrogance is a big one yeah arrogance for sure i've seen that yeah i was I've literally that. thinking it's, that it's ugly yeah being arrogant in uh in this industry is not going to get you very far um yeah because first of all you don't know it everything you know yeah, exactly it's and impossible to know everything you're still learning i mean fuck engineers who've been doing this for 40 years will tell you they're still constantly learning, learning. yeah and once you know everything there's new technology coming up and new gear new software to learn so yep yeah no you you can't be arrogant i mean just in general i believe in life you shouldn't be an arrogant person but um you definitely can't be arrogant in the audio environment in the studio environment that kind of stuff you you can't you can't be an arrogant person it's just not going to work out but yeah i mean those are the most important parts i think just like uh knowing your place knowing your role staying silent and uh not being arrogant just being uh and uh actually you know what the 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 other very important thing that i'm going to mention is uh always observe everything always listen always pay attention always just like whether it be audio related so always watch what the engineer is doing because sometimes you'll you'll learn something just by watching them and you'll be like wow like i never thought i could do that you know or like you know for example um one of the the things that i i learned from uh, from dan and jacob which i i know jacob learned this from dan directly as well is uh how to get a killer bass tone just with a di like running it through an le like a, a preamp and then into an le2a into a pull tech and then like boosting the low end that kind of stuff that like now whenever i'm either recording or mixing bass i do it every single time um, right that i learned just by watching them do it and by listening to the amazing like bass tones that they were getting i'm like wow this is so that's kind of like biggest tip is like just pay attention to everything and then always pay attention to everything the client's doing because if the client looks like they needed a second pair of headphones if it looks like they need a chair if it looks like they need a uh music stand if it looks like they need a coffee they if they just mention oh shit i'm thirsty or whatever like oh it's hot in here whatever yeah before they ask for anything you should be able to bring what they already need and if you're able to do that just by observing and always paying attention um you're going to look like the best assistant in the world because before they, it's sure. like you read their mind, right? Like before they even say anything, you already have that there, right? So that's definitely, those are like definitely the, the main tips I would give to anyone who wants to be a, a studio intern or a studio assistant is to like yeah. just observe everything and then know your role, follow studio etiquette, don't talk. Be observant and don't be an asshole. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so, um, so we talked about uh, your studio assistant post. Can you describe to us the jump from studio assistant to main house engineer and then from that to freelance engineer Mm -hmm. honestly the jump from studio assistant to main house engineer was probably the hardest one and uh, being the main engineer if i'm being honest was probably the most difficult job out of all of them um even harder than being an intern even though i was 
doing, you know, I was getting paid. I was doing all that, that I wanted to do that I really like to do. Um, I don't think I realized necessarily all of the, uh, responsibilities that came with that position. Um, right. just because mainly because Jacob was just really good at doing it when I was there. And Jacob made it look so easy. Jacob made it look very easy. Yeah. Insane. Insane. Yeah. yeah. No, it was, it was like, I mean, there's Jacob's also the fact that he was there for, yeah, he was there for about, uh, five years before he, he went freelance. So yeah. obviously he had all yeah. the experience he knew exactly all that kind of shit so you know i i feel like i did a fairly good job of taking over his place so like obviously with a lot of uh hiccups and uh thankfully i had a shit ton of help from uh simon and james once again shout out to both of them um it was a great time i mean i had a bunch of laughs with those two guys over the summer and uh just amazing times at the studio obviously we had hard times when it was busy and uh you know all that kind of shit but you know being house engineer the jump from assistant to house engineer is really um coordinating everything i think was the the biggest difference you know making sure that, like mm -hmm. coordinating the other assistants uh schedules making sure that you know everybody's on the right session everybody's like taking right. care of what they have to um you know you give everyone responsibilities and you have to make sure that they're following it you're basically manager right like you're a studio manager and then just doing sessions back to back to back because as an intern like because you're not really getting paid as an unpaid intern you're not really stuck to a schedule really right um so yeah i mean it looks bad if you don't come in for like the weekend or whatever like you yeah you kind of like i said earlier you kind of have to want it so you still have to do the long hours you still have to do i mean you don't have to no nothing's forcing you but you got to show you care if, if you want to make it yeah you have to show you care as an intern but yeah. as a studio manager you're kind of obligated to be there yeah like for a long time to make sure everything's running smoothly to make sure you know the clients are happy to make sure everything's going okay um because if something goes wrong it's on you right right and you're the person responsible for everything right so that's like the the the, the most difficult part of it is really that but um I, i've just been kind of saying the negatives honestly being the head engineer was a fucking great time because oh for sure i got to do all of the best sessions like because like as an assistant what you mostly do is like little shitty rapper sessions and like little like vocals and stuff like that which like some of the sessions can be really cool still but you know once you get to that main position you know i was doing a lot of jazz bands and like big setups and you know stuff like that where i was like wow this is really cool like a lot of the stuff that i was doing was mo mostly like the big sessions and working with the big names you know like the guys like cornet and all that all of those things was like amazing it was the best part and then jumping from head well from just engineer at planet to uh, freelance that's like the scariest jump i think because as a freelance engineer you never there's never any guarantee of having work that's like the most okay. important yeah um, that's the thing about freelance I mean, yeah, exactly. Like it's, being, a, it's never being a, consistent. Yeah. And being a planet, I mean, technically we were still self-employed. So on paper, we were still freelance, right? But yeah. we were getting like all the sessions that planet was giving us, we were getting it. So if you were at the studio, you were almost guaranteed to have work, especially on a busy week. Like you were going to work, you knew you were going to get paid. You knew you were going to like, you know, have, uh, have that, uh, work in your, like have that money in your pocket at the end of the day. So For even sure. though you're, even though you're still dependent on if the clients book or not, you still know that if the studio is booked, you're going to work. So that's the advantage of it. So once you go freelance, it's your responsibility to go and like kind of find your clients. Hopefully if you've built a nice uh, client base from being at planet, um, you know, you get enough gigs to, to keep you busy. I mean, like I said, it, Jacob was there for a long time. So he had a lot of clients when he left. Um, so he's been keeping busy. I unfortunately, I hadn't been there as long. So I still had my clients. I met a bunch of people and thankfully, you know, other people would refer me like to, yeah. to some clients would refer me to other clients. So I still get calls. I still get, you know, people who call me directly That's to uh, do sessions of getting 
clients actually it's just yeah word, word of, mouth. of mouth yeah what word of mouth so like it was uh it definitely helped me out and I, i've done you know quite a bit of sessions since i left and because i left on you know good terms with dan he still calls me whenever he needs like an extra hand or someone with a bit more experience to okay. kind of come in and and run sessions or uh, assist on something you know when he's uh when the schedule's kind of tight for them or or when the assistants there have had like really long days and they're tired like he'll call me in for like hey man can you come give a hand with uh with this session you know every once in a while so yeah it's cool like uh i it's definitely a lot less pressure to be freelance um because you don't have to take care of the studio as much i mean you're not there every day so you don't have to like you don't have that responsibility of everything that goes right or everything that goes wrong is on your head but you do have the pressure of well am i going to get enough gigs this week am i going to get enough month gigs yeah. this month you know am i going to do i have to That's you know it. promote myself that kind of shit so it's a it's a it's a balance you know and it's a, it's important to uh to, to keep that balance yeah yeah it's a total balance i i know what you mean like this this year 2021 uh has been a year of balancing the whole time it's like it was my very first because when when i feel like when we we were like at planet mm -hmm. in 2020 which is kind of like ah oh, sessions are coming in just do them just say yes to as many and just do them and be here all the time and once we both left it was kind of like okay whatever mm -hmm. comes my way i'll just like grab that and then try to find another one and yeah. hop and hop and hop and hop and hop and getting used to that w flow of being a freelancer um is is, is a oh, whole yeah. other ball game it's for uh, sure. it's a whole different world man it's just like yeah because like once we, when we were at planet we just get the notification oh dan booked a session are you gonna do it do you want me to do it are you available this night oh no tonight you have plans okay i'll do it um but as a yeah. freelancer you're like okay no session today no session tomorrow client calls me up hey do you have an hour tomorrow afternoon to book? yeah yeah i have an hour <laughs> i need money i'll do it. it's yeah. not it's not that bad i mean it's yeah. obviously not uh like i get enough sessions thankfully to like you know pay the bills and all that and uh i'm getting more and more which is cool yeah. um, nice building my yeah, client which is yeah building my client base you know people who refer me to other clients and i've i've had the chance to work in a bunch of different studios a uh, bunch of different rooms which is cool and you know work from home yeah, yeah oh, i've had really? a chance to work at uh that's really cool yeah i mean small places like home studios and stuff like that for people that i know Sweet. like little clients stuff like that but uh you know it, it's cool because you get to hear different rooms see what see what the vibe is like because up till now most of the time i've just been in planet right but um yeah you know working in other little studios even if it's like a bedroom studio stuff like that or working from home you know i've had a chance to get my setup at home sounding good because i do a lot of mixing from home so okay Mm -hmm. it's uh it's mm -hmm. practical to have a, a good sounding room at home i'm i'm really curious uh earlier when you were talking about studio assistant um you said you you got you received a lot of help like from others and what's the stigma or is there a stigma to asking for help in a studio situation not really it depends on um the kind of help and what the context is when you're asking for help so what i mean by that is if you're still new you don't know a lot of the stuff blah, 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 it's it's like it's it's normal to ask for help and it's more encouraged to ask right. for help oh, it's encouraged. than it is. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're definitely encouraged to ask for help than to crash and burn. Right. However, yeah. if it's something that like, you know, you've already gone through a bunch of times or that like you should kind of know, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's a fine, it's definitely a fine line between asking for help in a proper situation versus like maybe asking a question that you probably shouldn't be asking because you should probably know. Like if uh, an assistant has been there for like two months and then he asked me, how do I create a new track in Pro Tools? Like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to be a, like, you know, that's a, it's an extreme bro. example, but like, yeah, dude, okay, I, know? I understand. And, uh, and it also depends on like, is it the first time you asked this question? Did you already know? Did you like, you know, if, uh, if you've been here for two months and you say like, oh, what's a, what's a 1073? Like, mm, man, by okay. this point, you should know, right? Because there's moments where like, you know, when, when it was dead at the studio, right? It, there wasn't any sessions. I'd be like, okay, Jacob, take me through this patch bay. I want to know how, how it okay. works. I want to know what okay. the 
so that's that's what you're supposed to do right because the studio is dead there's there's nothing happening so like like okay i'm learning i'm like actively trying to get better at this job if you're in the middle of a big session and then the engineer asks you hey can you patch me um I don't know. Can you patch me uh, this plate reverb? And you're like, fuck, I don't know how to do that. You're just like, then you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, it, it has happened and it depends on how long you've been there and, and how much you've, uh, you've had time to learn because assistants, and I've seen assistants who started when it's been really busy, unfortunately, uh, have a harder time learning because you don't really have that downtime where you can just sit and, and learn the patch bait, right? Yeah. Um, so it's definitely encouraged to ask for help rather than, than like just fuck it up and look bad in front of the client for yeah. sure. But uh, you got to know, like if there's a lot of downtime and there's not a lot to do, those are the moments you should be asking questions and those are the moments you should be asking for help. And when you're an intern and you're not really doing anything, you're just sitting and observing, you should be writing totally. those you should be like watching what the engineer does and then ask questions after just be like hey like i saw you do this i saw you patch this what did you do there and you ask questions and that's how you learn because then when you're in that situation yeah. you shouldn't have to ask the question you already saw someone do it right i guess you could say uh intern is like paid education pretty much i mean uh, assistant, assistant is paid education intern oh, is just right yeah observe. interns really just observing yeah. you don't really get paid as an intern no but, um it, it's yeah. really it like how can I describe it? Like you should really know when the time comes to, um, to ask a question and it's up to you to like learn as much as possible. So when you're in a situation where you need to do whatever you need to do, you already know, right? Because nobody can know everything obviously. And there's going to be situations that you never seen. I mean, to this day, there's like, uh, sometimes I do a session and like someone asked me to do something. I'm like, huh? And I kind of have to figure out now, once yeah. you get to a certain point where you understand the signal flow, you understand how to patch stuff, you can kind of figure it out just by looking. So you don't have to ask anybody, but you know, first time someone asked me to patch a reverb, I'm like, mm, I'm going to ask Jacob how this works. Cause I'm not hundred percent sure. Right. So okay. that kind of shit, or like I said, like, once again, when it's dead, you go like, okay, how does this patch bay works? Where is each of these things? And you go in, you check, you look it up. You're like, okay, cool. Now I understand whenever I have to do it in my own session, I'm going to be able to do it without problems. So. Asking for help is good. Um, you got to know when. You got to know when. All right. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Definitely. Let's uh, go to the next question. I wanted to ask you, um, and this is more on a, on a personal note. Uh, what was your highest point at the studio? And what was the lowest point? Mm. Right? Like, I, I want to do a big contrast between those two. And then, like, what did you learn from those two experiences? Like, if you had a big moment where you, like, felt, like, really good about yourself, like, yes, I know that this this formula works. And then, like, a huge mistake that you did. You're like, oh, never, ever, under any circumstance, ever do that again. Like, the two extremes of it, really. That's an excellent question. I mean, um, I definitely say my highest point was probably the first band that I recorded by myself. Just, you know, mm. set up the mics. I got the drums sounding amazing. I got everything sounding really good, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was pretty proud of that for sure because everything went flawless. And I don't even remember which band. It, like, I've done so many sessions at Planet. I can't even say which band it was. I can't even say. Like, it was around somewhere around May or June. But I remember just setting up all the mics, having everything ready. Nothing went wrong. Everything was, like, perfect like how it's supposed to be no mics died no gear died nothing no weird sounds nothing like weird that the neve was working f like fucking flawlessly everything was sounding amazing my rough mix sounded great at the end like that was uh, the first time where i like i did a whole session and i think it was like a few hours like probably five or six hours um i did the whole session i was like wow man like that was kick-ass like that was how how every session is supposed to be that's how that session went right nice and then my lowest point was probably near the end by the time i left um i was at a i was having a pretty 
difficult time personally, I guess. Um, a lot of anxiety, a lot of stuff. And then I was kind of neglecting my, uh, my uh, responsibilities as head engineer. So, you know, not necessarily keeping the place as clean as I should have, that kind of stuff. So, you know, that uh, that's probably my lowest point at the studio when I was just kind of like mm-hmm. keeping everything by the wayside and not uh, taking care of it as I should have. I definitely felt, and I, I like it definitely didn't help with my anxiety because I definitely felt okay. like um, I was neglecting my responsibilities. So that's probably one of the things that kind of made me leave. I mean, I was in, under a lot of pressure and a lot of, uh, you know, for multiple different reasons, both personally and studio. So um, I, I wasn't doing my job as well as I should have. So yeah, that's probably like my lowest point at the studio was probably around that time when, um, okay. like right before I left. Right, and right. Uh, I guess what I really learned from those two experience, I mean, two experiences. I mean, from the first one, um, definitely that all the preparation stuff that that we get drilled in when you start working at the studio, and all the stuff that like Dan always uh, puts an emphasis on, you know, like preparing the mics beforehand, scratch tests, testing the headphones, all that kind of shit that actually really, really makes a difference. Like it's really important to do that stuff ahead of time and to make sure everything's rolling, everything's good by the time your session starts. Cause that's really what's going to make that session go smoothly. That's really what I learned from that experience. And then from the second right. one, I think, and this will probably be a, a tip to everybody as well. No matter how busy you are, no matter what you have to do, I think it's important to always focus on staying healthy and taking care of yourself because as soon as your own health your own mental health your own like physical health whatever um starts degrading then you'll your professional life is going to start getting worse as well absolutely mental health first yeah personal because uh because really what happened to me was because of all the the pressure that i was under and uh because of you know stuff that were my responsibility stuff that were out of my own control stuff that were like caused by external factors external like other people um sure my work at the studio was getting worse and i you know unfortunately you know uh i wasn't doing uh as good as a job as i knew i could have and that's why i decided to leave i was like i need to take a break from this get my mental health back together and you know see uh what where that goes and that's kind of what uh what got me into doing freelance as well because now like i said earlier i don't have all that pressure all that responsibility um i still have the pressure of i have to find clients i have to find sessions i have to find gigs but um it's a different kind of pressure i'm able to take care of my own mental health i'm able yeah. to take care of you my health you know, i'm pace. working out yeah exactly i'm working out i'm doing stuff absolutely. so i feel like i'm more successful now because i'm able to take care of myself yeah yeah I, absolutely definitely sometimes in order to step forward you need to like kind of just like take yeah. take a breath yeah take back. a little breather and uh you know avoid burning out yeah and uh i think a lot of people uh need that right now especially with what's going on with the pandemic mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. and you know has the pandemic affected you in any way like throughout the um, throughout your studio like how have your experiences and environment changed over the course of the pandemic like through each wave you know and how did the rhythm affect you so um i started working at planet during the pandemic already so i got into it directly like already mid-covid so in terms of that it wasn't too bad um in terms of my career in general i mean before the pandemic uh i was teaching guitar here in ottawa so once the school closed and we went on zoom and that really like kind of fucked up the whole thing like teaching over zoom especially teaching instruments over zoom oh i can imagine oh it sucks (laughs) it's the worst Terrible, especially teaching instruments to little kids over Zoom. That's like the oh the, the 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 worst. That's the final boss. 
Yeah. Actually, little kids is probably not that bad. They know how to use Zoom. Like, imagine trying to explain well, this was, something. To this like, was beginning of the pandemic, right? This was like March, so nobody actually really knew how to use Zoom yet. Oh, right? Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> but it was just it was terrible, man. Like it was like that. Really was the first thing. Oh man. Where the pan the, the first time where the pandemic really like fucked up my uh, my rhythm. And then when I went to Planet, like it wasn't too bad. But then curfew happened like in january of this year i guess is when it started yeah. and um once that happened it was the it was terrible because like we were used to like you know sessions until 10 p.m sessions to 11 12 1 whatever so we would like clean up and we'll, and finish up at the end of the night and just kind of go home whenever right so like you know long hours but then as soon as curfew hit we had to be home by eight every night so sessions would finish at seven, seven thirty at the latest. So first of all, we were our schedule was packed. Like before, if we were busy, we'd be busy from like whatever, like nine a.m. to one in the morning. So we'd have a few sessions here and there. Sorry, and uh, we'd have like maybe two sessions in the morning, a session in the afternoon, and a few sessions in the evening. So you had like little chilling time between. By the time curfew hit, we were like having our schedule packed from nine in the morning to seven p.m. Back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Damn. And then at seven p.m., you had to do a quick cleanup, like mop up all the snowy fucking footprints off the floor and sweep and clean the bathroom and then you had to i took the bus so i had to take the bus at 7 15 at the latest because the 7 45 bus was too late for me to get home at eight and right uh, but didn't you have like a, a pass like uh, i i don't know for me when i was working uh at the time during the curfew i i had a pass like if i got pulled over i'm like hey i'm working so um at first we didn't realize that we were an essential business we didn't realize that we were considered yeah essential. Essential so yeah okay. we didn't think that we were eligible for that so mm. the way we were going about it was if we had a tv production if we had anything big that wanted to work after 7 p.m they were responsible for writing up the pass for us right because right. we didn't know that we were eligible for that kind of pass then we figured out that actually if dan just wrote us a pass for the uh curfew then we could work until whatever time and we'd be fine. So after we realized that, uh, this was already a few months into the curfew. So after we realized that we were good to go, it was fine. But yeah, beginning of the curfew was uh, was rough, so especially around like March. Uh, we would pack the schedule from nine to seven and then we'd have to like clean, 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 super fast and then jet out uh, by 7.15. So oh that was stressful. Um, yeah, near the end of the curfew, I mean... It's funny because I feel like near the end of the curfew, nobody was really giving a fuck. Like the cops weren't yeah, really stopping anybody. Were, yeah, exactly. The cops didn't really want to give out tickets for that. And like nobody really cared anymore. So you had a it bunch of people It was mostly for up. like social gatherings. Yeah. So they like cared. if you were just walking down the street by yourself after curfew hours, like they wouldn't really say anything. Like they would just like leave you alone. So after that, it, was, it wasn't too bad. So I feel like curfew was definitely the... Um, the hardest time um but other than that it's really just the whole stop and go thing where they're like they'll give you they're like okay these are the new restrictions okay no these are the new restrictions or like, okay no now we're going back to the old restrictions okay now it's going to be everything's opening up okay now it's going to be vaccine passport okay this okay that yeah. and then the whole changing and you don't know what tomorrow everything's is be like really that. uncertain yeah that's that's the hardest thing about uh about working during this pandemic is just not knowing like you know now i'm starting to do live sound as well but now i don't even know like if the shows that i'm going to do in january are happening right like we had one show on january 29th with uh naya ali right and um now i don't know if that show is going to happen and then we're supposed to have two shows in february i'm supposed to go see uh charlotte Galley in february february 5th i don't know if that's happening so like just this whole like uncertainty of like is it going to happen is it not going to happen that's the hardest part about everything okay right all right 
Um, you named a couple of artists that like are down the line for you. Um, I want to start going through uh, our big studio projects that you've worked on at Plant Studios and what your role was like and what the session was like and just everything, your involvement in it. So let's start with uh, Nikki Yavnowski, as I mentioned in the intro. Uh, what did you do for her exactly when she came by Plant Studios or was it just a mix? Like, uh, What was the context of that? So I was assisting Dan while we were he was working on that session. So I assisted him on the string session and then I started assisting him on the vocal setup. Basically, she was recording a whole jazz record, right? Start to finish. And then Dan had an emergency at his house or something. I don't remember exactly what happened, but he couldn't come in. So he was like, hey, can you take over the vocal set- sessions? I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I was working with her for like three whole days, just like 9 a.m. to whatever, 6 p.m. Once again, it was during curfew times. And uh, man, it was, uh, that's really when I, uh, I think I, 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 I kind of became fast at Pro Tools because like her and Dan have been working together for like 12 years at this point, right? So she works fast. I mean, she's been doing vocals her whole life. So she works super fast and I was used to working with like just, you know, little rappers and stuff like that, which were super easy. You just press record and you press stop. But her, I was like doing vocal comps and like, you know, editing and copy paste and recording super fast. And, you know, she would ask me to do stuff like her vocal comps were intense, man. Like it was like, okay, I'm going to take the ah from this word and then the no the way sh- from this word and like just kind of copying it together and like doing the fade sets. And I had to That's do that crazy. super quick. Right. And uh, because of COVID, she had her set up in the live room. So she was never coming into the control room with me, but um, she had a, a screen where she could see everything I could. I was doing in Pro Tools, right? So she was like, "Yeah, take this, this take, take number twenty three, blah blah blah," and just like copy paste, copy paste, copy paste, then like comp edit, blah blah blah, and we just do like crazy vocal comps like that. Oh my god! So that was probably the first time I worked with like a, a really professional artist and like Nikki was a super sweet person too. Like it was a great time working with her, like just like nerding out on jazz music. And, uh, you know, she has an incredible voice as well. So it was just, it was a great time. It was like the, the like fun three day project that I did with her. And then, uh, I mean, and then later on I had the chance to, uh, to do a piano session for that same record where I set up the piano and recorded it and did that all by myself. So that was cool too. So it was, yeah, it was my first like really big, kind of professional project that i worked on at planet was uh nikki's record nice very cool very cool um and then uh obviously the homie Cornet, you worked on uh, on some yeah. of his songs as well um yeah tell us about that shout out Cornet, man what a great guy oh man that was that was intense. such a nice guy it was intense such because a great guy uh jacob would always tell me the stories about like how working with Cornet was like intense and you have to go really fast and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, but unfortunately I never had a chance to actually see him working with Cornet. So I didn't know what the workflow was like exactly. So the first time I did a session with him was like, okay, man, I was sweating in my chair. It was, um, <laughs> it was hard, but I, um, I did a good job and I did a few sessions after that with him, you know, uh, guitar vocals. Uh, I recorded sax once for him and, uh, it's, I was pretty proud of that one because it sounded pretty it was my like my first time actually just recording sax by myself um i kind of had an idea i'd right. seen jacob and i'd seen dan do it a bunch of times so i was like okay i'm just gonna stick a, a u87 and a, and a ribbon mic in front and just call it a day and see how it sounds and it ended up sounded pretty amazing so um i was proud of that one too but yeah the sessions with cornet man like do you remember which like, mic you used for that for the sax yeah I used an 87 and a one Royer 121. 
but yeah, I mean, uh, working with Cornet was like working with Nikki, but on steroids, dude. It's just like you t- do a take, take, <laughs> take, 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 and then he's like, okay, we're gonna comp, set the auto tune on. He's like, okay, let's do the ah from this word, and then the ooh from this word, and then we're gonna do the da 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 da, and you end up doing like a jigsaw puzzle of fucking wow. different takes just to kind of create the main take. So then you have to make sure your fades are good. There's no like double breaths. There's nothing weird about that. Blah, blah, blah. And then you have to do a fucking killer rough mix and uh, make sure it sounds good. And you know he'd been working with Jacob for like four years at this point so i had to like kind of fill in those those shoes and and those, they were like big shoes to fill right so like yeah you know i feel like i did a pretty Make decent job yeah exactly i did a pretty decent job i did a you know i i feel like i i was able to keep up with him every time and you know i ended up i think i recorded like two tracks off of his record and then i did a couple covers that he did and stuff like that so you know i did a bunch of sessions with him it was always a great time too because he's you know super funny guy super sweet guy very professional very uh entertaining amazing voice as well you know another killer artist yeah so i wanted to i want to ask you um i'm noticing a a recurring theme between nikki and calne specifically vocal comps like taking very fragmented pieces of uh the audio and using that to make one master comp once you record it multiple times why do you think they approach it that way and what are the advantages of doing that so um i feel like singers who've just been doing this for a very long time um just kind of get used to doing stuff like that and and it depends like both of these singers too are self-produced so they don't have a producer with them being like no this whole take was good because like a lot of times i've i've seen like singers that have their producer with them like their vocal producer a lot of times the comps are going to be less intense and as a musician you're always your own worst critic especially especially singers because it's your voice right so Mm, of course they always kind of find flaws in their sounds that not everyone can hear and a lot of times they're the only ones so like a lot of times the comping with them is going to be a lot more intense just because of that fact right because they're like right they're, um they're their own worst critic they're like finding these flaws they're like oh i don't like this take or i like the this word from this take and this word i like the tone and blah blah blah. so they realize a lot of those things so um that's why a lot of self-produced singers do stuff like that and because they have a lot of experience they know it's you're able to do that because a lot of singers with less experience like a lot of times i'm the one telling them like hey you only did one take like we can do multiple takes like there's no tape like the tape's not going to run out bro like <laughs> we're worn on pro tools <laughs> <laughs> we're not in that age yeah anymore. exactly you so like so like a lot of the guys with uh, less experience i'm the ones less. a lot of times as an engineer you end up being the producer too because they don't have a producer yeah that, i've had that happen yeah times. exactly you know what I that's like really. so like you're producing them you're encouraging them you're like okay this was the best take we're going to choose this but those singers that are self-produced and that like have a shit ton of experience they're like no i like this i don't like this i like this i like this i like this use this okay blah blah, blah. so they're like that's kind of nice like they know exactly what they want like you don't have yeah. to really make executive choices no with with those kind of artists you're 100 just the engineer your job is just making sure everything sounds good nothing's distorting and uh you know choosing the right mic once again with both of those artists they'd been working with dan for a long time so i didn't even have to choose the mic i was uh yeah. just like i just kind of set it up as they were used to and that was that was it you know it was just simple mm. but um but yeah, so I feel like with artists like that that have that kind of experience, they do it like that because they're used to it, right? Because they're used to just like jigsawing their vocals together and having a really good take, like a really good comp at the end, which is honestly like with the technology that we have today, it's like probably the best way to do it just because you're getting the best out of every single take, you know? So All right, let's go into uh, Star Academy and then on Studio. Uh, oh, man. What were those projects like? They're not necessarily like solo artists. So what was that, that all Star about? Academy was, uh, was very interesting interesting um 
I'm I'm not really one to to like I don't watch Star Academy. I don't really and I don't really listen to the kind of music that they do at Star Academy either, which is like really like adult contemporary Quebec pop stuff like uh you know Marc Dupri mm. and that kind of shit. So uh it was definitely an interesting project. I got to work with Toby, who's an a crazy old school producer, fucking great guy. You know, he's like a Oh yeah, yeah, Toby. Old school, yeah. old school, you know, he's like he's yeah, dope guy. I had a great time working with him. Um I mean the the project itself uh I like I said I I don't really watch the show so I'm not a huge fan but it was it was cool because I know it's a big thing in Quebec um it's like a famous TV show or whatnot like uh, similar to La Voix so uh it was cool to get to play to 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 have a part in that you know I did like uh I think uh, six songs like half the record or something like that and just vocals you know just recorded vocals uh it's a lot of covers right a lot of these kids uh, i did basically all the the candidates that got uh, eliminated so these kids would come to the studio they'd record their vocals and um i just send that out to toby so you know it wasn't a lot of work uh once again they had their producer with them so i wouldn't have to do a lot of the work i would just kind of engineer make sure it doesn't distort make sure it sounds good make sure i choose the right mic and uh just send that out afterwards so you know it's it, it, it was a cool project to work on because it was definitely something that um that i didn't have that much experience with but it was just vocals so um it wasn't one of my most challenging projects it was just like you know it, it's cool to be able to say that i did stock me. you know it's like brownie points it's like okay i did yeah. something that like it, definitely if someone asked me if someone randomly asked me like what do you do i can be like oh you know i'm a sound engineer it's like oh what do you worked on I'm like, oh you know i, I worked on stock getting me yeah, just, it sure. kind of looks good on nice the little name drop nice little name drop never heard yeah exactly yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah and what about the all studio with uh with, with that whole oh, dude, all studio, i mean fuck that was a great time the tv show of all studio was uh basically it's like hosted by mark dupre and they bring in for every episode they bring in like a different artist um like a kid kind of like um i i don't really know where they picked them I, I mean it wasn't really a competition it was just like a lot of these kids like were or like they weren't all kids some of them were adults but like they they had some sort of story they grew up with their grandma or their grandma had cancer stuff like that right so like they would pick these kids who had always wanted to be musicians or had always wanted to like do music or, or music was their passion for whatever reason but they didn't have the means to go into a studio so they'd bring them in um they'd get them to um record a song that they really like by really like a, an artist that they admire and they give them a band full of like you know professional great professional musicians uh guys that just they just do music for a living and uh basically they'd film this whole interaction while they were at the studio and so mark dupre and they'd have another producer kind of produce them and then usually dan was doing the engineering and so there was like it was basically the studio turned into a tv set it was a lot of work i mean i didn't do any engineering at all it was just assisting running coffees running cables setting up sessions but you know fucking 14 hour days of just running around like a headless chicken and 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 setting up and then making sure i'm not on camera i think jacob ended up on camera one shot by accident like he you can see him in the background there for i did it for a week i think you did it for what like three weeks yeah the first time they came around they came around for a few weeks i was there i yeah. wasn't there for the second one but uh yeah the headless chicken yeah, was there reference is uh, very true oh yeah dude you, you're just running around grabbing mics grabbing cables because you'll have like a full band with like upright bass violin and uh sax in the morning and then in the afternoon you have to set up a drum kit and uh whatever and you have like an hour during lunch to do the turnover right so like it's intense man and we were just like running around the whole time just doing that so it was a great time because 
the the cool thing about it was like once you set up once they're rolling you just kind of chill so we would chill next to the coffee machine make sure we're away from the cameras eat their catering and uh <laughs> just, just kind of chill you know like it was it was nice. chill once once the setup was done so like That's- yeah, yeah. That's the choice here. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, Alcizio was chill for that. Like, nice. I mean, I do like Jacob would go. No, they like were really six, good about it, bastards. honestly. And I do like nine to nine or nine to ten, whatever, depending on what was in the afternoon. So right. it was chill days. Yeah, no, it was super long days. Oh, they were super cool people. Yeah, it was super definitely. Long days. I had to sleep at the studio a couple of times. Oh yeah, me too. But it was definitely like out of all the TV productions or like video production sets that I've done, like you were definitely the chillest group of people. Hell yeah. Like out of all of them. Like I don't think I, I met another production team that was as cool as they are. So you've, you've worked on like a sufficient amount of large projects. Which would you say is your favorite session you've worked on in the studio? Hmm. That's an excellent question. And it, it could be the ones we, we talked about or we could, it could be ones that we haven't. I feel like I feel like my favorite I never engineered any of these sessions but the the crescent sessions um so these were guys yes. the the, yes. the crescent is uh shout out the crescent by the way is a group of guys who do um basically re- recorded shows so back in the days they would uh, come in with a jazz band or a singer or an artist or whatever and they'd live stream it now they do pre-recorded stuff I don't think they live stream anymore okay but they live stream it on YouTube and so we'd set it up as if it was a live show. And so most of the times it was Jacob doing these sessions. He'd set it up. I'd help him set up there or whatever. But dude, those sessions were a great time because a lot of times it was like jazz artists, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, the head of the Crescent, this guy, uh, Harag, he's a jazz guitar player. So he knows a bunch of like jazz musicians in Montreal and stuff. So he'd get these jazz bands in and dude, it was just a pleasure because it sounded awesome. And uh, these guys were killer players. Like they would just rip everything to shreds and just just have a good time so i think yeah. like they would come like multiple times they'd come like maybe once or twice a month uh to do a few sessions so i've done my fair share of crescent sessions as an assistant like i said i, I never had the chance to engineer one unfortunately but dude they, they were probably my favorite sessions that i've done out of all my time at planet was uh crescent sessions i even did one back in uh, october unpaid because jacob was like oh we're doing a crescent session or maybe it was in november i don't remember it's like we're doing a crescent session this saturday i'm like oh i'll just i'll just show up i'll help you up and set up because like i like the guys i like the music i like the like doing the setup it's it's fun so i was just like yeah i'll show up i i, I like i wasn't getting paid for it i was just like i'll do it for fun because it was a good time that's amazing when you just accept doing something for fun like that's when you know it's truly an amazing environment and great people yeah exactly no it was it was just it was great man i i fucking loved it i bet i i love doing those sessions they were some of my favorite to be an assistant on i did like one like three max i think but uh just seeing a group of musicians come together following jacob's lead uh you know being told okay Pashi's, yeah we did a couple together juan i'm pretty sure we did the like the question like once or twice at least i i'm pretty sure we did yeah like uh once or twice yeah yeah and it, it's just like the, the environment environment with those specifically with the crescent everyone's just so nice it's so smooth it, you, i feel like so suave so classy mm-hmm. when i'm in there because i'm just like i'm i'm like you know contributing to beautiful mm-hmm. jazz music and um i really i really want to give these guys a shout out like the crescent montreal like go on youtube go watch those sessions um go sw- go watch those videos they're, they're they're great they're great we talked about it in depth in the jacob interview as well so go check out that as well but yeah absolutely i think um i think we talked a lot a, a lot about 
about uh, Planet Studios, where I think we, we've covered pretty much everything there. I want to step mm-hmm. away from that now and uh, talk about another position that you have that you're currently doing. I want to know about everything about RAC, Recording mm. Arts Ca- Canada. How did you become a teacher there? And uh, why did you decide to take a teaching position on top of doing freelance work? You know, because you're not necessarily a freelance there when you're a teacher. So w- why mesh the two and, and everything? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I kind of got, I, I, I really got lucky with the Recording Arts position because right as uh, I left Planet, uh, they were really looking for teachers. They really needed a teacher. And then Luca, um, a tenant from Planet, who's a really good friend of mine, and I mean, a really good friend of yours as well, Jake, uh, Giant. Yeah, he'll be coming on. We'll, we'll have an episode with him too. Nice. Shout out, Luca. Um, so Luca actually told me, he's like, look, they're looking for teachers. They had asked me, I don't want to do it, but you live right next to the place. I'm like, yeah, I do live right next to the place. It's like a it's like a 15 minute walk from my house to, uh, to REC. Nice. So I was like, okay, I applied. I went, did the interview. They, they like, they liked me, like the fact that I had experience at Planet and all that. So um, that's how I got the job. Why I decided to do it? I mean, mainly like we mentioned before, like being freelance is is definitely a risk because you don't know when you're going to get gigs or not. So I wanted something that could help me just kind of get by whenever the gigs were slow, right? And Recording Artist Canada is, uh, I'm still doing something in audio. I'm still doing something that I like. Uh, so it's definitely still in the industry. A lot of the other teachers are also engineers, producers and stuff. So I still have like, you know, making more contacts, people who live in Montreal, people who have more experience than me. So I'm still also learning from those people as well. And just cause teaching has always kind of been a calling of mine other than music. Like I mentioned earlier, I used to, I used to teach at school of rock, uh, well, I used to teach guitar. So I've always enjoyed teaching. Going back to your roots a little with- yeah, kind of exactly. So, you know, teaching is I just I just like imparting knowledge. Even when I was at the studio, I was always like enjoy showing the new guys how the gear works, showing the new guys the signal flow, like teaching the new stuff, like all that kind of shit. It was always a fun time. So, I decided teaching was uh, was a cool gig to do to kind of, you know, pay the bills while the gigs were slow or kind of get by and stuff. I decided to do that for that really just because it's a fun time and I love just like doing what I do and teaching what I do. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And can you describe to us like the importance to you and impact you feel you have on the future audio engineer generation? Shit. I mean, uh, hopefully not too much, poor guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) as as a teacher, I try to... I try to just kind of impart the most knowledge that I can. Obviously, I'm not the guy with the most experience. I definitely have a few years of experience under my belt through uh, like when I was in the music industry here in Ottawa and when I did uh, my time at Planet and now working as an engineer in Montreal, right? So I definitely do feel like I have some knowledge to impart, but really I just kind of want to make sure everybody who's getting into the industry knows what they're getting into and not just in a negative way like i don't just want to like scare people and be like hey guys like uh working music is hard because yeah it's hard but it's incredibly rewarding and incredibly fun as well so yeah and like if you really want it then you it doesn't even feel like work Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so i want to make sure that all my students and all like future engineers just kind of know that like hey this is a good time this is not going to be vacation time. This is not going to be like like the rappers on the music videos with uh, thousands of dollar bills. And, you know, if you think it's going to be easy, chances are you're not going to make it. But if you push hard and if you do it enough and, you know, it's an extremely competitive field too. Like there's there's a lot of people who want to be audio engineers. There's a lot of people who want to be rappers. Yeah. A lot of people who want to be singers. Like a lot of people who want to be producers. So like, definitely, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to wake up one morning with a $100,000 contract um it's gonna take you're gonna have to grind you're gonna have to like whatever so i want to make sure that like whatever my students learn like whatever the future generation has 
takes from me is like look if fucking i can do it you can do it as well and just you know fucking work hard for it man like take your time take the energy fucking you know put the time in and make sure you 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 don't give up put your nose to the grindstone and just work and uh, there's going to be lulls there's going to be harder periods there's going to be periods with like less work less money and then there's going to be periods where like you know you're going to fucking kill it is that what you say to your students verbatim you gotta fucking work hard for it man not verbatim (laughs) you know i'm joking sometimes sometimes it slips sometimes it does slip i will admit but no i mean i tell my students all the time i'm like dude because like a lot of them ask me have asked me like oh i've thought about like you know potentially going to work at planet i'm like look dude if 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 you really want this you could you have to want it like it's not gonna it's not gonna just be all fucking easy and it's not gonna be 40 hour weeks like you're gonna do like 90 hour weeks I don't even know if there's 90 hours in a week, but uh, you're still probably going to do. Oh, yeah, there's 90 hours there in a week, yeah, sure. In? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, do. so. Uh, yeah, I've done them. I definitely yeah, done 90 Yeah, we, we've done 90 hour weeks. Sure. I mean, I, I just yeah, did. 90 hour weeks feel, yeah, I feel I, nice. I just, <laughs> I just <laughs> did a, a week at Planet. I probably did like five or six days. I don't know exactly. Like, anyways, I, I finished all my invoices. It was 61 hours. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's a lot of hours. <laughs> like, I did. Yeah. I did I Monday you, to Monday. I feel you. So I did, I did the, like a, damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy busy on my end too. Like everyone, like every every director wanted mm-hmm. to record. Like I did 130 or 120 hours in two weeks. I was like, it was Fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. No, like because because so, I went there to, yeah. to sub Ben, like the the head the head assistant right now who uh, who went on vacation mm. to BC, right? So I was like subbing him, like because uh, I was supposed to come uh, to Gatineau. Like right now I'm in Gatineau, so I was supposed to come here to see my family um, on the 21st. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sub for like a week. You know, I'll. I'll I'll take on the sessions or anyways it's fucking busy and i didn't even do thursday friday because we had a covid scare so thursday oh, no. friday there was nothing thankfully everybody tested negative but um thursday friday i didn't do any sessions i stayed home and even then so that's a f- total of five days right because i did monday to monday that was 61 hours right. i was like fuck like imagine had i done those Damn. two extra days like would have been like 80 hours so yeah back in the days when it was stupid busy we were doing like at least like 70 hour weeks like yeah, that was uh good times yeah it was uh no i'm sure there's moments where like it's super busy and super packed and you have like 60 to 80 hour weeks and then there's moments where it just like dies down and it's you know 20 hours oh yeah some some weeks you have like one session in a week yeah it comes in waves oh yeah big time like um so yeah that's that's kind of what i what i try to impart to all my uh all my students i'm like look the music industry in general not not even if you just want to be an engineer but if you want to be a producer if you want to be a musician if you want to be whatever um you're gonna have to grind you're gonna have to take your time and uh if you don't give up you know eventually you're probably not going to be famous if, if i'm being real like most people aren't going to be famous most people aren't going to be millionaires but you're probably going to be able to make this your livelihood and that's okay like that's that's good that's what you're aiming for you want to make this your livelihood like forget about the fucking like i said rappers with bitches and money like forget that life that just don't aim for that aim for like i mean aim for that if you want to that's good but aim for what you want to do and make sure that you know that you're enjoying what you do and making it your livelihood but for that you're gonna have to grind like there's no way around it you're gonna have to absolutely grind at certain point. all right let's uh let's talk about your two courses that you teach specifically studio production techniques and sound design i've never i never knew you were a sound design guy so i was really really interested when you mentioned that course specifically but like let's just talk about what those classes are like what people can expect if they wanted to attend rec and they had you as a teacher like what do you teach exactly in those two courses so it's interesting i'll start with sound design i never was much of a sound design guy in general to be honest so you are right in that regard but when I got hired, they told me one of the positions that I that I was going to need to fill was that class. So I was like, okay, it's cool. And I knew because of MIA, because of what I knew from Kevin, 
And because of little projects that I've done here and there, like I have done a little bit of production in the past, not very seriously, but I have done like little sound for video and stuff like that. So I do have some experience in there. So I was like, okay, I'll take this on. Like I said earlier, it's a challenge that like, you know, I don't have that much experience in sound design, but it's a challenge that I'll take on. I'll get better at it. And, you know, through teaching this course, my skills get better as well. So sound design, basically we go through a lot of, at the beginning of the semester, we went through a lot of like Pro Tools basics, but then we went through a lot of um, how sampling works, how synthesizers works, the different type of synthesizers and how they work. Um, we talk about uh, audio modification, all that kind of stuff. Um, mainly those things. I mean, you also do a bit of uh, sound design for video, just mm -hmm. the basics of it. So um, what Foley is, sound effects, all that kind of stuff. The last few projects were that pretty much. So uh, I definitely had to brush up on other stuff because I learned a lot of this stuff in college with Kevin. So I had to brush up on a lot of it. Thankfully, I already knew a lot of the stuff that I'm teaching. So it was... Uh, I hope so. It was, it was possible for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, it was possible for me to, uh, to still teach it, thankfully, because uh, I knew a lot of the basics, even though I don't use it in my daily work. Uh, studio production technique is definitely something that I'm more comfortable with and that I teach uh, a bit more easily because it's basically just, you know, how to mic up a drum kit, how to do technical stuff, how to mix, how to master, like the advanced stuff, advanced Pro Tools stuff. Uh, the sound design course is a second semester course. The studio production technique is a third semester course. And I teach them both in French because um, RAC is offered, you can do the program either in English or you can do the program in French in Montreal. In Toronto, you can only do it in English, obviously. Um, so I teach both of these courses, second semester and third semester in uh, in, in French. And uh, nice. it's a great time, honestly. I, I mean, I consider myself a decent enough teacher. All of my uh, students passed uh, their midterm and their finals. So uh, I think that's a good sign in terms of... Uh, in terms of my teaching skills. Do you skills. consider yourself a tough teacher? Um, not really. I mean, to a certain extent, yes. Like we were doing the final practical with uh, one of my groups the other day and the guy's like, uh, well, my Pro Tools just crashed. I'm like, did you save? He's like, no. I'm like, well, tough luck, bro. What do you want me to do? Like if you yeah. lose a session in real life, you're going to lose it. That's so it. like in that kind of, th in that kind of stuff, I'm definitely tough. Um, so I'm like, look, I do feel bad for you. I feel mm -hmm. your pain, but like, he's lucky. What do you want me to do? Like, you? It wasn't, it wasn't a client. You know, it was just, yeah, exactly. Just That's exactly what I tell my you know, students. I'm like, you're look, learn dude, from a mistake not, in class. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, look, it sucks. But like try and open one of the session file backups and see what you can yeah, do there. He's like, there. oh man, it's not my fault. Pro Tools crashed. I'm like, no, it's not your fault. But when you lose your client's files, it's also not your fault, but it's your There's fault. a bigger consequence. Right. Exactly. So like, <laughs> you know, a even if it's not your fault, <laughs> it's still your fault, you know? So yeah. At a certain yeah. point, you, you kind of have to figure that shit out so in that kind of aspect i'm definitely tough um in terms of grading i'm not that mm -hmm. tough because a lot of stuff is it's it's hard man like grading a mix like it's hard to grade a mix because it's so subjective like it is very subjective I, for sure so but, i uh, so like you you judge it based on what technique or well i have my evaluation grid okay so uh, a lot of the stuff is like if they just followed the steps correctly okay. thankfully i like just last week i finished uh grading and submitting all the grades but um yeah, I mean, uh, you just you have your evaluation grid. A lot of stuff is like, did they do the right techniques? There's like elastic audio. Did they use the right algorithms? Did they like compress too hard? Did they blah blah blah? Like, mm -hmm. you, you sometimes they have to submit their sessions so I can see their sessions too. Like, did they do too many edits, too many cuts, or did they edit like what they had to? Like that kind of stuff. So, I'm not necessarily 
tough on them in terms of grading as long as they followed all the steps properly like if they read the the lab or the project and properly and they followed all the steps then i'm not too hard on them in that regard but in terms of like you know crashes um not saving not backing up if you and late submissions yeah, that's a clear dude, like, mistake if you if you submit late and you don't tell me about like some some students will email me hey i had a really some some of my students are older right they have kids like hey my 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 daughter's been sick all week i haven't had time to work on it can i submit it like three days late i'm like of course yeah i'm not gonna fucking be an asshole and and dock you grades for submitting late because your daughter was sick but some guys they submit like two days late they don't say anything they don't explain why yeah it's like okay well it's 10 percent per day so you lose 30 <laughs> percent just for submitting late. like i'm sorry but like i'm not lenient in that kind of stuff so i'm definitely a tough professor in certain regards and not as tough in others you sound like a great professor i would take one of your classes <laughs> thanks dude um so, I feel like we're getting a class right now. We're, we're getting taught yeah, we all the things right now. Free lecture. You know? <laughs> Shit, do I have to pay for this? Free lecture. Bye. I'll send you guys an invoice <laughs> after we're done. You're going to send an invoice? Is that what you said? Yeah, I'll send you guys an invoice after a we're 61 done. 61-hour invoice? Yeah, dude. Man. Um, okay, so... You know, you you you're you're obviously very busy. You work. Um, you're a teacher at Recording Arts, and um, you do freelance at Planet. Uh, and you you also you recently started another job at Sovo. But um, before we talk about Sovo, how do you go about managing your stress of working in in the audio industry and um, and your personal life? Like, what do you like? I said, like I said earlier, it's uh, it's a lot about like staying healthy keeping your uh, your mental health in check you know eating properly is another big one um kind of trying not to add yourself any more stress than what you already have because you know bouncing around doing sessions you know a lot of late night sessions where you don't sleep a lot um and teaching grading all that kind of stuff is like you know it's 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 not necessarily stressful if you manage it properly <clears throat> but um you know you definitely have a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff that you need to manage so if you're not adding yourself on it's another stress on top of that like eating poorly uh is going to add like a certain level of stress on it onto yourself you know not exercising not being healthy that kind of shit is just like you know it's an extra level of stuff that you're adding to yourself that is just going to make everything worse you know and you know sometimes you just can't um help but like sleep little like sometimes you're gonna have six hour nights four hour nights whatever yeah um but whenever you can rest properly taking advantage of those like full nights you know sleeping with no lights no audio no, like nothing around um not being on your phone until four in the morning which i have done and i still Guilty. do sometimes i'm not gonna yeah i do i'm not gonna pretend like i never do it like it's it's still bad habits that i i i have to get rid of but you know trying to avoid that kind of shit and Keeping yourself healthy as much as possible outside of your work is definitely the key yeah. to um, to that. And um, sometimes it's a simple, obviously, stuff. yeah. Sometimes it's the stupidest stuff like that. And obviously, not spending more money than what you're making is the big one. But yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's that's the the, the key really is like just staying healthy, staying active, not adding yourself stress. That's really gonna gonna go far in terms of managing your stress of uh, personal life with the audio industry and um, just, just having a routine. Man, like even when you're not busy, having a routine, having a calendar, like that. that's uh, waking up on time, you know, like 
having breakfast, if you have breakfast, like you don't necessarily have to have breakfast. I'm not much of a breakfast guy, but you know, having breakfast, if you have breakfast, having lunch at a certain time, like keeping with an eating schedule for sure. Um, you know, and, 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 and giving yourself time to relax. Yeah, man, absolutely. That's, that's definitely super important. Like me personally, I like to, uh, yeah, I like to exercise. I like to play video games a lot. I'm a big fan of video games. So I try to kind of balance everything, you know, give myself hours. There you go. To where like, okay, these hours here, I'm going to grade. These hours here, I'm going to go work out. These hours here, I'm going to go swimming, whatever. And then yeah. at night from like maybe nine to midnight, I'm going to play three hours of video games. For sure. That makes it sense. it relaxes me because it helps Just me, so you don't you know, exhaust like yourself, you know, just constantly thinking exactly. about audio the entire day and, you know, you're going to burn yeah. out. Yeah, exactly that. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a blend of everything because- like if you just wake up and start playing video games and you play for like eight hours, that's not healthy either. No, hell no. Right. Which I, I have done once again, like I'm not going to pretend like I've never done it. Like when it's slow and when I'm not very busy, I have been guilty of just like being lazy and playing video games. And every once in a while, you know, on a Saturday, if it's not too busy, I'll still like just spend the whole day in my pajamas playing FIFA because sometimes it's fun to be lazy, but it's knowing when to, yeah. to do it and when to stop. That's important. I think. No, I agree with that um okay so we're getting close to the end here uh you have a new position um your latest one as we are recording this and and so tell us more about Sovo technologies and what you do there yeah so Sovo technologies is uh it's a company that uh does live subtitles so basically the company has developed an ai an artificial intelligence that when you speak the ai recognizes your speech and turns it into subtitles they use this thing to send out subtitles live to uh, channels like CNN, uh, TSN, MSNBC, stuff like that. And they also work with universities, um, colleges, stuff like that. So how it works is they'll have a sous or a subtitler that receives the audio of the feed of the news of whatever they're subtitling. And then they have a mic that they speak into this mic. So the AI recognizes the speech. They don't use the feed directly because the person speaking is cleaner, obviously. So it'll give more accurate results. Right. And so my job as a tech is to make sure that uh, these people hear themselves properly, that the feed is coming in properly, that the, he- that the subtitles are getting sent out on time, um, that the person's mic works, that there's no bugs in the AI, right? So this is all real time. And so my job consists of that, of making sure the audio is working, that the feed is working, that the computers are working, that the subtitles are working, that everything's just rolling properly so the person who's doing the subtitles can just do their job with no issues. So uh, it's a night position I because uh, the company's rolling 24 hours. Uh, so I do a lot of the evening news. I do a lot of the um, like evening lessons, like college lectures uh, in bc and you know different time zones right so a lot of that stuff overnight nice okay very cool um i have some spitfire questions for you like rapid fire here you you, you I, i'm not letting you think like about super these, hot okay? fire <laughs> you're about to spit some bars <laughs> super hot fire flame questions like man's oh gonna be hot when even if he's not hot after these questions are are gonna all be right hot. let's do this okay three favorite plugins uh waves ssl channel the UAD LA2A and the hmm, Waves ARTG mastering chain. What's nice. your mix bus right now? My mix bus right now, shit. Um, it starts with SSL compressor uh, into the 33609 by UAD. Then on my master, I have the Shadow Hills. So that's three stages of compression. Then I have the mastering. So the Waves ARTG mastering, the Abbey Roads mastering. Um, usually after that, I'll have Pro-Q, either before or after, depends on the mix. I'll have Pro-Q to just kind of notch out the really annoying 
frequencies a little bit. And then I'll have some sort of either multiband or I'll have a de-esser to kind of, a lot of times I'll use soothe to de-ess, just kind of control that. And then after that, I'll do my limiter. I'll do ozone at the very end, just to kind of fix all that. Sometimes I'll add before my limiter, I'll add some tape saturation. Not always. Sometimes it works. It sounds nice. The J37 by Waves is cool. And oh yeah, also um, Oxford inflator right before my limiter. Amazing, 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 amazing plugin. Okay, you you have to use one reverb for the rest of your life. Which one? Uh, UAD 480. Okay. Um, what is your sound card right now? Like, what's your interface? My uh, Apollo Twin X. Okay, and what's your go-to microphone for a vocalist and for a guitar recording through an amp? If you have to mic an amp. I can pick any mic for anything. Any mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah anything. For vocals, I 100% Neumann U87. There's a lot of better mics. There's a lot of more expensive mics, but the 87 just works on anything. And it's clean and it works well. And it's, I mean, it's $4,000 there. It's not, a, it's not a cheap mic, but it just works on everything. So any type of vocalist, if you don't know what they're going to sound like, Neumann U87. Uh, guitar recording through an amp, SM57 all the way, uh, any day of the week. Absolutely. I'll just yep. stick a 57 in front of there and just call it. You can't go wrong yeah. with a 57. Never. It's the holy grail of mics. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, all the questions I had. Um, I, unless you have any other questions to ask, Anthony, we, you can ask the final one. No. Uh, so, Juan, um, usually we have like kind of a tradition here at Soundspace where we ask our guests one final question. My final question to you is, what is your advice to people who want to get into the space of sound? Huh. Great question. Um, my advice would be to just... Um, how can I say this? Just learn, man. Learn, 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 learn. You're never, like we mentioned earlier, you're never done learning. Uh, never act like you know everything, obviously. So just like, just learn as much as you can and listen to everybody. And then obviously when I say listen to everybody, it doesn't mean pick up everything because sometimes you'll get advice that is bad, obviously. For sure. Other times you'll get advice that isn't necessarily bad, but just doesn't work with what you want to do, right? Because like even with mixing, some people mix a certain way. Some people uh, track through plugins. Some people say tracking through plugins is wrong. Some people hate plugins. They only like analog stuff. So obviously there's different types of advice. So you have to know what to give like what, what to take and what to leave, but just listen and learn as much as you can, right? Like, cause uh, that'll really get far. It's like whatever advice anyone gives you, just, you know, listen to it and decide if it works for you. Try it. Also, never be afraid to try anything because if you don't try it, you don't know if it's going to work for you or not. So never be afraid to try anything. Um, and just, man, just fill up your portfolio with, uh, well, not portfolio. What I mean is fill up your, your, your toolbox with as much stuff as you can. That way you, you can be as versatile as you can. So just always learn, man. Nice. I, I agree, man. That's good. All right. So Juan, let's just say I finished this interview. I'm listening right now. I'm on the bus and I want to hear more about you and I want to find out more about you. Where can I find you? What's your social media? Where can I follow you? Just like give us all plug away. Where, where can people find you? So uh, my social media, I have um, my Instagram that I mainly use. Um, it's at uh, the Juan you need. So if you want to follow me there, uh, I'll gladly accept any followers. I often post, you know, stories or, or, or posts of uh, sessions that I'm doing or sessions that I've done, music that I've worked on, uh, music that I, like songs that recently released that I've worked on. So if you want to follow me there, if you want to ask anything, any advice, shoot me a message. If you want to do a session with me, if you want to book, my email is Juan M. 
gomezmusic at gmail.com. It's also written in my Instagram bio. So if you don't feel like writing it down, you can send me an email there. Um, I'm booking for sessions right now, uh, pretty much the rest of 2022. So I mean, I don't know when this episode is going to come out there, but yeah, just shoot me an email there if you want to book a session, if you want to ask anything, if you want to, or if you just want to chat, man. I'm always down to chat and nerd out about gear. Nice. Yeah. Juan is one of the nicest people I know, so uh, I, I guarantee you he, it's a fun time uh, just picking his brain about audio and just everything. So absolutely go slide in his, in his DMs and go hit that follow button on his Instagram page. Get a free lecture. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Get a free lecture <laughs> in the DMs. Uh, I don't know about that. He'll subtitle it for you. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know. If you want, if you want a lecture, sign no, up to come, come to RAC, bro. Exactly. It's not exactly. Be free, but it's a lecture. Okay, Anthony. Yeah, it's a lecture. <laughs> uh, Anthony, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at akachi.audio. That's a c a c i dot audio. You can find me on Spotify as akachi, and my website is in progress, so I don't know it yet, but it will be linked in the description. Perfect. And uh, for myself, I am at Gian Music on social media. GianMusic.com is my website if you want to hire me for audio services. You can also find my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Music, where I podcast about anime on anime podcasters, which Juan was on, actually. Was. We spoke about Attack on Titan. Yeah. That was a fun a, time. It was a great time. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, we also, I also cover anime songs over there. Uh, you can find me on Spotify. My artist page is out there. Uh, just go to giantmusic.com and links to everything else. And uh, you can also follow Soundspace on your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe to us. Everything will be linked in the description. Give us a five-star review. And, uh, you know, if you want to be on the podcast, uh, let us know. Shoot a DM to us, uh, Anthony or myself. Slide in the DMs, bro. So slide for myself. DMs, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Slide, slide bro. <laughs> so for myself, Anthony, and Juan, this has been another episode of Soundspace. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Thanks, bye. <laughs>